0: Well hey church, Merry Christmas. My name is Nick Newman. I am privileged to be the lead pastor here at Propel, and I want to say welcome. If this is your first time joining us, we want to say a special thank you. We consider it an honor for you to spend some time with our church family today. And if you're looking for a great church home, we would love for you to consider Propel that. Do us a favor. Visit our website, propel.church online, and fill out a digital connect card. Let us know you're here. We'd love to connect with you and pray for you as you navigate your relationship with Jesus. For those of you who call Propel Church Home, this is a great time to go ahead and share the video. If you're in a watch party, be sure to engage. If you're in a house party, high-five somebody around you. We are excited because we are entering into the Christmas season. It is, We're past Thanksgiving now. It's now appropriate for you to have your Christmas tree up. And, and I want to say welcome uh, from my home. We're entering into a brand new series called I'll Be Home Home. For Christmas. And as we've shared with you throughout this season, Tori and I have been praying for and believing for God to open up the doors for us to move into Mount Pleasant. And, and God did that. He provided that. And so I thought, man, as we're doing this series, I'll be home for Christmas. How cool would it be to be in our living room? And so you're in our living room today, and, and I consider you a part of of our family. So we're glad that you're here, excited to be kicking off this series. This season, uh, not not just the Christmas season or the holiday season, but 2020 in general has been this year where uh, I have felt incredibly scattered. And not only have I felt scattered, I felt like in a lot of ways our church family has been scattered since uh, we haven't really gathered together in person for a Sunday worship experience since March. And so as we've navigated this scattering season, like my heart for you as, as like a spiritual father has really been trying to figure out where my kids are at how they're doing what's going on in your lives and how we can be praying for you and serving you but all in all i've just felt really scattered and a few weeks ago i was kind of reading through some scripture and i came across this passage in acts chapter 8 verse 4. And this is around the time where Jesus has died, he's risen again, he's ascended to be with the Father, and the gospel is now going out, but the church was dispersed. There was this big scattering after Pentecost took place, and now this is what it says in Acts chapter 8, verse 4. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. So there was this incredibly big moment where the church was all together, but then something took place. There was persecution. There was opposition. There was strife. There was struggle. And so the church gets scattered. The church is sent out to be the hands and feet of Jesus all around the world. And what happens when they're scattered is they don't just get scattered and then cower back or settle down. They're not just worried about everything that's going on in the world around them. Acts chapter 8 verse 4 says that when those people were scattered, they chose to share the gospel, to preach the word wherever they went. And I don't know what your 2020 has looked like. I don't know where you're at in your relationship with Jesus. But here's what I do know. In a lot of ways, we're still scattered. And when we're scattered, it's easy for you and I to kind of focus on everything that we have going on rather than seeing scattering as an opportunity to preach the word wherever we go. Rather than seeing uh, our scattering being an opportunity for us to share how good Jesus is with broken and hurting people. And so what these followers of Christ were doing is they were so passionate about their faith, their commitment to Christ was visible. And then as they went out into the world, more people met Jesus because these people understood that being scattered was really being sent. And being sent is the opportunity for you and I to be used by God in a powerful, powerful way. And so, uh, if you're, as we were reading through Acts chapter 8, verse uh, 4, I looked at what the word scattered really meant. And it's going to appear on the screen. Um, it's this word, disperio and as we were looking at this greek word what's really interesting is uh, dia means throughout and sperio means to sow seed isn't it cool that as you and i are scattered the whole intentionality of being scattered is actually that we would sow seeds throughout wherever we go that in our lives, in our workplace, here's what I know. Because you are, a, if you're a follower of Jesus and you're watching this today, you've been sent out to preach the good news of Jesus wherever you're at. In your workplace, you're called to sow seed. In your family, you're called to sow seed. When you end up at that table at christmas time with some family you haven't seen in years you're called to sow seed whenever you end up in a conversation with that crazy uncle and you may be thinking to yourself i don't have a crazy uncle you may be the crazy uncle right or aunt every family's got one and if you can't find them it's probably you Whenever you're in these conversations, in these moments, every single moment you're going to have in this Christmas season is an opportunity for you to share the goodness, the hope, and the message of Jesus with every single person. I love when we're called seed sowers because one of the responsibilities of those who are called to sow seeds are simply to plant. We have seeds Uh, in us. The gospel has taken root in our life, and now we take those seeds and we plant them into the ground. But a seed planter, a seed sower, has no responsibility to grow what he's planted. There's a period of time where something has to take place in the earth where the seed has been planted, but ultimately, Scripture says, Paul says, that I planted, Apollos watered, but it was God who grew. The growth process for other people is not your responsibility. You're a seed sower. You're called to plant. You're called to share. And oftentimes in our culture, in our world, we get so fixated and caught up with our role or responsibility. Like we want to help people meet Jesus so much that if we have a conversation about Jesus with them and they don't respond that day, we feel like we failed. No, no, you're a seed sower. And you don't know the amount of seeds that you'll plant now that may take harvest 10 years from now. So so follower of Jesus, person who calls Propel Church home, in this Christmas season, I want to challenge you to sow seeds of the gospel into people's lives. And you may be thinking to yourself, well, what kind of seed are we planting? Well, it's not a tomato seed, it's... Did tomatoes have seeds? I don't know. Tomatoes do have seeds because I ate them in front of you one year on stage. They're gross. They're gross. Sunflowers. Some Sunflowers some have good seeds, but that's not the kind of seed we're talking about. We're talking about the seed of the gospel to sow the good news in people's lives. So today I want to just make sure that you and I really understand the true meaning of Christmas, why we celebrate why we acknowledge all that Jesus has done, and why we want to make sure that every single person in the world knows just how good God is. So, if you're taking notes, um, head over to Isaiah chapter 7, verse 13 through 14. This is what it says. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? Verse 14. Therefore, the Lord Himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. This is coming from the prophet Isaiah that we find in the Old Testament. And the reason why this is important is because all throughout the Old Testament, we see God giving us promises for this coming Savior. We see that God is declaring that one day a Savior will come, and they're having conversations about what this Savior will actually be like, what He will look like, how He will come to pass, the suffering He will endure for our sake. And so Isaiah is saying to these people who are crying out for a king, who are crying out to a Savior, hey, you're going to know He comes when this happens. And so, if you're taking notes, the first seed that we plant in the life of people is number one, God fulfills His promises. God fulfills His promises. Throughout the entire Old Testament, God has been making promises to you and to me that a Savior would come. In Genesis chapter 3, after Adam and Eve are created to live in perfection with God, they fall short, they sin, and in the garden, God makes a promise to Adam and Eve that one day a serpent's head would be crushed under his heel, and God ultimately does that when Jesus Christ dies on the cross and is then resurrected on the third day. In Micah chapter 5 verse 2, he says that the Son of God would be born in Bethlehem. And then in in Matthew chapter 2 verse 1 through 10, we find out that the same place that Micah prophesied, that Micah promoted the promise of God that the Son would be born in Bethlehem, it actually comes to pass. Every single time we see God make a promise in Scripture, we see Him Come through time and time again. In Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, it says that Christ will come after a messenger. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3 through 5 says the same thing. And then we get into the New Testament, and there's this guy by the name of John the Baptist. And in in John chapter 1, 29, John declares himself that he is not the Messiah. He's not the Christ. He is simply a messenger in the wilderness, making Away for the one who's going to come. So the promises of God are not just about Jesus. Although all of the promises, all the inheritance of God are wrapped up in Christ, God has made promises over your life and my life that we can know that He is a faithful, loving, and enduring God who is faithful to finish what He starts. When God makes a promise, God promises that Abraham would become a father of many nations. And there were many times that it didn't look like it was going to come to pass. But over time, you and I will see that God keeps his promises, that he is faithful and just, that he continues to move in your life and in mine so that as we get to the end of our journey, we can look back and see God has kept his promise every single step of the way. That's some great news this Christmas for you and for me, that whatever promises God has made over your life and mine, we know that He is faithful to keep it. And Scripture's clear that He's faithful to finish what He started. It doesn't say that He's faithful to finish what you started. We see that in Abraham's life. God made him a promise to be the father of many nations and and Abraham's wife came to him and and gave him a way for that to happen. And just because it seems like a good thing doesn't mean it's a God thing. And when you and I try and bypass the timeline of God to get the promise of God, we don't end up with a promise, we end up with a curse. So I don't know what God has promised you in this season. But what I do know is that you and I can take hope in the fact that God keeps his promises. In 1 Corinthians, in Isaiah 28, 16, Scripture declares that Christ would be the foundation of the new covenant. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 and 1 Peter 4, 2, 4 through 8, Jesus is called the foundation. The reason why I gave you so many passages of Scripture, you, you may be, you know, hand cramping right now. Is because I want you to see all throughout the Old Testament, God makes a promise and then God fulfills a promise. So if you're in the waiting season between when God gave you a promise and when God fulfilled a promise, you need to know that He is faithful. I'll be honest with you, it was not too long ago when I felt discouraged. I really have this heart and desire to be back in our church facility. I'm, I've been wondering why in the world God would give me a promise years ago to be in that school. And then we tried to buy it and we couldn't. And then finally the door opened and and now we can't meet back in that facility till we get HVAC. And I was just frustrated. And the Lord took me to a passage of scripture in Zephaniah chapter 3. And in Zephaniah chapter 3 verse 20, he said, I am bringing you home again. And here's what I know, church, that was all I needed to hear. The only thing I needed to hear is that God had a promise to bring us back. And now I move and operate in faith, knowing that he is faithful to finish whatever he starts. That he is a God who keeps his promise and he keeps his word every single time. God has not decided in 2020 to stop being faithful. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Here's the second thing. The seeds that we plant in this season is that God is with us. God is with us. That Isaiah passage that we read in the very beginning said that they would call him Emmanuel. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, it says the same thing. He pulls back in the promise in Isaiah chapter 7. And it says that the virgin will give birth and they will call him Emmanuel which means God with us. Probably some of the best news of all in this Christmas season is that God is not distant, He is not absent, but He is with you and He's with me. The good news for us is, as followers of Jesus is that God will never leave us Nor forsake us. He is with us in our strife. He is with us in our struggle. And when Jesus comes to this earth, it is God showing up for you and for me because there was a gap created by sin. And God, in order to pay for that sin, needed to draw near to us. He draws near to the brokenhearted, He draws near to the broken. He comes to the hurting. Mark chapter 2, verse 17 says that. Jesus is is talking to the Pharisees about why he came in the first place. And he says, I did not come for the well, for the well don't need a physician. I came for the sick and to save sinners. Jesus is a hospital for the broken. And if you're watching this video today and you're hurting and you're frustrated and you feel like God is not with you, I need you to hear the truth of God's word and the truth that we plant in this Christmas season. which is no matter what we feel like, God is with us. No matter what you're going through or what you're facing, God is with you. For some of you, you're struggling right now because you've lost a loved one. And it's tough. Know that God is not leaving you to deal with the pain and frustration on your own. But He is with you. He is for you. Some of you are struggling because you've got all of this anger and frustration built up inside of you, and you feel like because of your mess or your mistakes, maybe you're in an addiction, that there's no way God would be near you. But You know, while you were still sinning, Jesus came and died for you. He knew exactly what he was getting into by drawing close to us in the world. He chose to draw near. He chose to come to us so that we could experience His goodness, His grace, His mercy, and His fulfillment. No matter where you're at in this season, God is with you. That His design and desire is to be close to us. And in this Christmas season, He takes that step. He comes near Jesus would then go on to live a sinless life and ultimately die in our place. Christmas is not the end. It's the beginning. It's the beginning of your journey and mine in following Jesus because in order for us to be saved, God must first step toward us. Otherwise, salvation would be based on our own efforts or deeds, but it's not. God is prompting us. He's pulling us in. He's reconciling us back to Himself. What does God with us really mean? It means that even if I feel like I am, I'm never alone. In my darkest times, God is with me. And that I can trust that no matter what comes my way, He won't leave. There is no greater privilege for you and for me than to know that in our mountains and in our valleys, we have a shepherd who is with us and for us. And as Scripture says, if God is for you, who can be against you? Maybe you're watching this today and you don't know Jesus. The good news is, God is for you and came to be with you. But but a relationship with God is is just that. It's a relationship. You know, um, there are people in our lives who pursue a relationship with us, but we don't pursue a relationship with them. Therefore, we don't have relationship. Relationships must be pursued mutually. God has a never-ending pursuit for you and for me, but we must turn around and begin to pursue Him back. And as we pursue Him back, that's when relationship begins to happen. That's when God is with us, really transforms the way we live our life. And here's the third thing. It shows us that God made a way for our sins to be paid for. So if you're wondering, like, what kind of seeds do we plant in this season? What I'm trying to show you and I is that God is faithful to keep his promises, that God is with us, but that's not all. Because when sin separates us from God, God made a promise for us to be saved. But He didn't just make a promise for us to be saved. He made a way for that to take place. And that's the entire reason that Jesus came. It wasn't just to give us a model to follow. Because while Jesus is the ultimate teacher, if Jesus is just a teacher, He will just change your behavior, not transform your life. That's not, God is not in the business of behavior modification. He wants life transformation. You don't need a good model. You need a savior. And I think the reason why people struggle with with Christianity sometimes is because we're trying to just make Jesus a really good teacher for how to live, not recognizing that we have a desperate need for a savior in our lives. We have to be saved from sin or there will come a day where we have the opportunity opportunity to pay for our sins ourselves. But God has already made that way. Christmas is the starting point. It's the launch pad. It's the kickoff for you and I to be set free from the bondage and the payment of sin. So Jesus comes and he is God with us. But in order for us to be reinstated into the family of God, we had to be purchased. We had to be bought back. God had to pay the ultimate price for your sin and for mine. So God made a way for our sins to be paid through Jesus. Jesus would ultimately do what none of us could do ourselves, live sinlessly. Have you ever wrestled with that concept for a second? Like, it's hard for me to go a day without sinning. I take that back. An hour, right? (laughs) Like, it's difficult. And yet Jesus endured 33 years of sinlessness. But scripture is really clear in Hebrews that we don't have a high priest who can't empathize with us in all things because in all things he was tempted. He went through the struggle. He went through the muck. He went through the mess and went through the chaos. And in all of that remained sinless because he had a mission and a vision and that was to set you and I free from the payment of sin. And that couldn't be accomplished if he sinned. But he made a way. And as Jesus goes to the cross and He dies for you and I, ultimately the way for God to be with us and now for God to be in us is to place our belief and hope in Him. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says that God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him We might become the righteousness of God. Friends, this is the good news of the Christmas season. I I know if you're anything like me, you're tired of being scattered. But, But what if for a moment we really understood what Christmas was all about? That Christmas wasn't about buying all of these things or figuring out how we can get more stuff or, in all honesty, most of the time we end up spending money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. What if Christmas wasn't about any of that? What if it was about making sure that every single person we come into contact with in this season has a clear understanding that there's a God in heaven who is not distant, but from the foundation of the world, has kept his promises. That he desires a relationship with each person so much that he would give up something that meant so much to him, that he would give his only son and he would send Jesus Christ into the world so that in him we could be saved. That's what John 3, 16 and 17 is all about, that God loved the world so much that he sent his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And then verse 17 makes it really clear that God did not send his son into the world to judge the world or condemn the world, but to save the world through him. That's what Jesus wants to do. Jesus wants to step into the middle of what we've commercialized as Christmas and remind us that He paid a way for us to be saved. That He made a way so that you and I in Him could experience life change. And if we made Christmas all about that, and we actually became the hands and feet of Jesus... I think it would change not only the way we live, but it would change our communities. It would change Mount Pleasant. It would change Concord. It would change Locust and Richfield and Midland and, and Harrisburg. And every single area around us will become transformed by the truth and the reality of who Jesus really is. Being scattered is not punishment, because the truth is the Great Commission cannot be fulfilled if people stay. The first word in the Great Commission is Jesus is challenging the disciples to to go out. He says to go and make disciples. Being scattered is a blessing because it's the opportunity for you and I to share Jesus with the world around us. What I'll be home for Christmas is really all about is not just you having Christmas at your house. It's that. You understanding that because now, as a follower of Jesus, your body is a temple where the Lord resides, Christmas resides, not resides. He ain't checking out. Christmas is with you always. Because Christmas really is all about Jesus. It's all about what He did for you and I. That He would become sin for us, so that in Him, we could have new life. That's the power of the gospel. That's transformation. And as you and I share that with Jesus, I believe you're going to have friends, family, and coworkers meet Jesus. And it's going to be incredible. It's going to be life-changing. I've had people in this season ask me many times if I feel like the world is coming to an end, if we're in the last days, if Jesus is about to come back. And I think Scripture is really clear that, that we don't know. No one knows the time or the date. I think we're closer than ever. I'm not going to get in fear about whether or not Jesus is coming back. Here's what I do know. I've got a lot of people in my life that don't know Jesus, and if Jesus were to come back today, they wouldn't go to heaven. And so what I'm making it my mission on this earth to do is to make sure that if Jesus is coming back soon, I'm going to live with that urgency to make sure I tell every single person I can about Jesus. Will you do the same this season? Will you share the good news of Christmas that God is faithful to keep his promises, that God is with us, and that God made a way for our sins to be paid? I want to pray for you to have that boldness and courage in this season. And then I'm going to make a prayer. I'm going to pray a prayer of salvation today. And that prayer of salvation are for those of you who don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But also, if you're praying for boldness to lead people to Christ, maybe this is a good time to write down this prayer so that as you share Jesus with your friends and family, if they want to take that next step, they can begin a relationship with him immediately. So let me pray for boldness for you right now. Lord, we love you so much and we thank you that we're getting a good, clear understanding of what Christmas is all about. That Christmas is not about stuff and things, but it's about a person, and his name is Jesus. So Lord, right now, I pray that you would increase our boldness to share the gospel with our friends, with our family, that our lives would be forever changed because we're helping people meet you. And and you said it best. Jesus says in, in John 4 that my fulfillment comes from doing the will of the Father. So Lord, may we be fulfilled by doing what you've created us to do. Give glory, honor, and praise to you in all things. And for those of you who are watching right now and you need to begin a relationship with Jesus, I want to lead you through a prayer. The good news about following Jesus is he doesn't ask us to become perfect first. He simply asks us to take the step to begin to follow. And as you begin to follow, he begins to transform and change your life. If you want to take that initial step today, would you just say this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I could have new life. In Jesus' name, amen.